listening to the LC and Jack Radio Show, live from New York. And now, here are your hosts, LC and Jack. Welcome to the LC and Jack Radio Show with your man LC holding it down. Give us a shout here in the studio. You can reach us at area code 347-843-4738. Up close and personal, Urban Talk Radio. Well, I tell you, it's been just a crazy, crazy time. And I hope if you're somewhere on the East Coast that you're trying to maintain between power outages and the snow that's coming down as we speak. So uh, stay positive, stay focused, and listen to great radio like you're going to listen here now. What is the word there, Brad? Four more years. Four more years. That's right. (laughs) Congratulations to President Barack Obama for his victory and we'll stay in the hot seat because <laughs> that's what it is. Can't make everybody happy, but congratulations to him. And so we'll see how things progress and how things go, and hopefully things for everyone does improve. So, Brad, our guest for the evening is here waiting. So why don't All we right. go right to it? How's it sound? Sounds like a plan. All right. Our guest this evening has over 40 years in the music industry as as a successful record executive. While in charge of Epic Records, he signed several artists like Boston, Meatloaf, The Jackson 5, and, yes, Michael Jackson, that recognized great success. For example, Michael Jackson's Thriller became the largest-selling album in history. Yes, Ron had much to do with that success. He's also involved in creating TV shows and writing books. Last month, he was inducted into the Long Island Music Hall of Fame. We are so happy and eager and awaiting to speak to and welcome him to the show, Mr. Ron Alexenberg. Hello, Ron. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, It's a very nice introduction, and I'm uh, proud to say that uh, President Obama is from my hometown, Chicago, and yes, definitely the south side of Chicago. Really? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The Bears. (laughs) have, Have you had a chance to meet him? Yes. Really? Yes. Tell tell us a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Well, I had to ask him if he was a, a Sox fan or a Cub fan, and he gave me the right answer. He said he's a Sox fan, so I continued to talk to him. 
I love it. Yeah, I love I, it. I'm very fortunate. I got my uh, I got my start in the music business in the city of Chicago. I miss it every day. I've been living in New York over 40 years, and uh, something tells me that uh, I'm now going to be heading out west. Um, I opened an office in California, and I'll be bi-coastal. But uh, thank you for the very nice introduction. And, yes, it is a bit of a four seasons in one day in New York. Um, <laughs> between uh, leaves on the ground and then a little bit of sun and then uh, mild weather and then I came out of the eye doctor and saw snow on the ground. So I guess <laughs> I've spent the entire year in one day. Yeah, it's crazy. Good. I tell you, it's it's been crazy time. So stay positive, stay energized because you know the best is yet to come. Uh, we're lucky, we're fortunate to see another day. So we yes, that's, appreciate that's true. That. That's true. I, I feel for the people that don't have the homes and don't have the blankets and don't have the warmth. Uh, you know, we only lost our power here on Long Island for five days. And uh, I guess it's uh, kind of getting me a little down watching people stand in line waiting for gas. And, you know, uh, I guess the beauty of my industry is I see a lot of them wearing headphones so uh, they're probably listening to music to get by because it is the only universal language, and uh, it's getting a lot of people by uh, all these difficult moments. Definitely. Yeah, you're right. It definitely doesn't matter what language you're from. Music plays a part in everyone's life. Well, it's all good. Some is just better than others. I keep saying that to everybody. I didn't see too many of them dancing to Thriller, though. It was a little chilly. <laughs> well, they, well, they might have been moonwalking on ice, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, they could try Michael's moves on ice, you know. I did, I did, and I think I'm still suffering from an Achilles tendon trying to do that move. First time I, first time I saw him do the moonwalk was at uh, at our home in front of my daughters, and uh, we've been trying to do it ever since. You had the opportunity to have Michael. Come to your house. I tell you, you know how many people would die to have, while Michael was here, to have him stop by their house? Well, that was an interesting story. I, I did not discover Michael Jackson. That was done by Motown and Barry Gordy and his crew. But they seemed to be at a lull when I saw them in 1976. And uh, I always admired Michael and the Jackson 5. And here we were, CBS Records. At one point, I was the vice president of Columbia Records. And then moved upstairs to uh, Epic uh, and was given a free reign at 32 years of age to sign whoever I wanted. I had the greatest staff in the business and personally loved uh, rhythm and blues. All, I don't categorize music, though. I, I just think all music is good. Some is just better than others, as I repeat myself. But the uh, I went to the Warwick Hotel where Michael was staying because they were playing Radio City Music Hall and picked up the house phone, if you can imagine how things have changed, and asked to speak to oh, yeah. Michael. And he got on the phone and told him who I was and asked him if we could meet. And then I said, gee, you know, I've met your family and I'd like you to meet mine. So he got uh, on a Saturday. We was then playing a Westbury Music Fair here on the island. And I invited he and Catherine and his entire family to my home in Woodbury. And uh, their family met my family. And my family met his family. And it was one of the blessed days of my career. I think it's the most important signing I ever did. What? Oh, definitely. 
no doubt about it. What what don't people know about Michael? Obviously, you hear all the crazy stuff. But what what don't they know about him? That obviously you have the you had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with him. Well, uh, I've I've said this uh, in many interviews. Uh, Keith Oberman got a hold of me the day that Michael died. I was in Tampa, Florida, uh, going to a baseball game with my son, and the phone rang, and it was Keith Oberman's assistant, who I knew, and she said, Ron, would you come on the air with us? And I said, about what? And she said, uh, Michael passed away. I just froze in the car and uh, got a police escort to uh, to St. Petersburg, where NBC had a, had a feed, and I walked in and sat in a chair, and they asked me that same question. What can you tell us about Michael that we don't already know? And I said, Michael was never anything but a kid. He never grew up. He never had the toys that he wanted as a kid. Uh, he was working since he was five. Uh, he missed uh, public school education. And uh, he uh, it was just a, a very unique, special individual that uh, unfortunately the press not you fellows but the press likes to say negative things sure uh, and uh, there's some pretty high ups uh, I won't mention names one that got reelected Peter King a few minutes ago mm -hmm. that, uh, I did mention the name see yeah jumped all over Michael and uh, you know then the racism starts and People start talking about him being black, and, and, you know, it was just so unfair, and I fought that with him, and then after he passed away, God rest his soul, I, I continue to fight it, because uh, he's an icon, and when you, when you lose somebody like that, um, things just won't be the same, but to answer your question, uh, what you saw on Michael on that stage was only... Um, I would say uh, three quarters of his true talent. He was an artist. He painted. He drew. People haven't really seen that. I have some of his original artwork. He was a giver. He would give you anything. If you said, I like your shoes, off they came. Uh, he gave. He didn't get. And uh, a lot of what happened uh, at the end and the statements, and if you saw the movie This Is It, uh, that would have been had... He stayed alive, probably since Fred Astaire and and uh, James Brown. Um, that would have been what everybody would have been talking about in the way of a concert. Now, Ron, in your opinion, and I don't want to come off negative or anything, but since well, you're entitled, you got your own radio show. Yeah, but you know, I love Michael and I love the positive, the other positive. But curious to know. So many different, so many shows they wanted him to do. In your opinion, did you think he could do that many shows? No. No, neither did he. That's why he never agreed to do 50 shows. Okay, so he never agreed to that. Okay, I'm no. glad you clarified that. No. Uh-uh. Because he couldn't. If you watch This Is It and you see that preparation, even setting up that stage, unless it stayed in one place, and didn't move around, and he would never have been able to just keep that in London. The the public here would have demanded that he put that show on. They would have wanted to see that show. And, you know, you couldn't really capture that in a movie. I mean, he tried, and uh, it was very well produced. 
Um, I was very emotional about it. I refused to go to the funeral, although I was invited. Um, I anchored uh, a local channel here, Cablevision News 12, for six hours, which helped me get through the day. Um, because when I saw those people now, you know, saying such wonderful things about him, why didn't they say it when he was alive? So, That's right. That's yeah. right. Well, it's easy, like you said, to jump on and, you know, everybody's got their own motive of selling paper or newspapers or whatever it is, magazines. And, you know, the press is not positive all the time. So, Well, fortunately for me, you know, you were kind enough to say 40 years. I've been in the music business close to 50 years. And I've never had anybody knock on my door in my office and say, okay, now what do you want me to play? Uh, now what do you want me to buy? It's always a challenge. Um, and you only hear the negatives. You know, you hear the drugs and you hear the rotten marriages. You know, if I were a singer and entertainer, I told my two daughters, you can marry anybody you want, but don't marry a musician. Mm-hmm. And they and they said, why, Dad? I said, well, they'll love you, but they'll always be on the road. One of my dearest friends in this business, Stevie Van Zandt, who you know is uh, Bruce Springsteen's buddy and plays on the road with him. He's been married 30 years, and whenever they interview him, they ask him, how does a guy stay married You know, for 30 years being in his business? He says, well, let's see. Ten of those years uh, we're together, and the rest I'm on the road. And that's how you keep it together. Wow. But, yeah, you know, there's, there's uh, so many of the artists that I've been fortunate enough to sign People didn't want meatloaf. They called him a fat slob. Boston, they called him a geek. Yeah, he was some kind of geek, Tom Scholz. He, re- he invented the Rockman, the battery-operated amplifier. He was a uh, Polaroid camera uh, uh, founder <laughs> at Polaroid. Uh, and uh, these people, uh, it's a shame that they have to die for people to say things you know, positive about them. But there are there's there's only negatives. I don't deal in negatives. Um, I have just made up a, a T-shirt that I give all my friends that has one word on it. I'll see if you guys can guess it. It's not a negative word. It's a four-letter word that starts with the letter N. You want to take a crack at guessing it? Move. What'd you say, Brett? Move. M O V E. No, it starts with an N. Oh, N. 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 Yeah. Okay. One word starting with an N, which really describes when people are negative around me or any of my artists. And uh, since we're on the radio, I won't. Uh, I don't believe in dead air, but I'll give you the word. It's called next. Oh, okay. That's it. Next. That's it. On, to the next. <laughs> On to the next. That's it. Yeah, anytime, anytime somebody starts up with you during your interviews, next. Next. Yep, yep. I've heard that. I've heard that before. Yeah. Next question. <laughs> A uh, couple quick ones on Michael. Sure. Move on. Um, you you had the opportunity, most people don't, to work Thriller. Tell, yeah. tell us briefly about that experience, and did you think that album was going to do what it eventually did or come close, or did you think... No, I, I, there's no way you can crystal ball anything in the music business. The album before that, off, you know, on the wall was... Mm-hmm. It was a masterful album as well that people don't have a tendency to talk about. Right. Uh, Quincy Jones and Michael were magic. And uh, because Michael had the respect for Quincy, uh, and uh, Quincy was just uh, said, let me go make the album. And uh, I'm not sure, but I think the album tracks were done in six weeks. 
And, wow. Uh, yeah, that's another thing that people don't realize. And then uh, it didn't cost millions of dollars. There was more done with the Lucas films and the videos. The more cost involved in that than the mm-hmm. real making of that album. Right. Um, and uh, you know, if I would have been able to sit there, gentlemen, and say, "Yeah, I think this album is going to do two hundred million," I wouldn't be on the phone with you right now. I'd be somewhere. <laughs> I'd be on some other planet. You know. Mm. Um, <laughs> and fortunately in my career, which is nowhere near over, thank God, uh, I have the number one, two, three albums of all time. Because uh, Thriller was number one, and Boston was the largest debut album of any group. And Meatloaf uh, has done over 50 million albums worldwide. How many executives can say that? Well, there's a lot. You know, it's not. Our, our business has changed drastically, but. And when when I was sitting there at Columbia or Epic, it was your team that you had. It was this, it was the support that I had from men and women, boys and well, not boys and girls, but even though we were all young, you know, when you're young, spending somebody else's money, it's a lot different when you get older and you're spending your own money. Um, but uh, we were we were just on fire. I mean, when I met uh, Kelly Isley, God rest his soul, and I signed the Isley Brothers. And then we got on a train and went to Philadelphia and met Gamble and Huff and got the OJs and Teddy Pendergrass, Harold Melvin on the Blue Notes. <laughs> you know, we had 25 platinum albums in one year. That's phenomenal. Just and, phenomenal. And none of it was uh, negative. None of it was cursing out fire department, police, women, children, teachers. It was mm. all positive. Uh, awesome. How, how, I mean, the music industry's changed tremendously. Yes. Everything now is digital, it's online. Is that in your opinion, has that just crushed the industry as a whole? It hurt or? it. It hurt it. Um, you know, I, I still think when you can sell it's probably more than twelve million, but Adele came along and sold twelve million albums. So you know, it was because it was an expertly well produced album with terrific songs, harmonies, melodies. But when we started to lose Tower Records, that was a sign of what was due. I mean, you lose retail uh, where people can go in and ask questions. And, yes, uh, it's very difficult to talk to a computer. Um, When a young person discovers uh, Elvis Presley or Michael Jackson or Frank Sinatra, you know, there's a catalog. Uh, Johnny Mathis, there's catalogs. These artists have 50, 60 albums available, not one or two greatest hits. And that's hurt. It really has. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm one to criticize myself. I got five cell phones, an iPad, three computers. If, mm. I, if I ever get caught short, instead of having nine million chains around my neck, you'd have uh, all these phones around my neck. I'd be in big trouble. But, you know, it's a whole new world of communication. Some good, some bad. I tell my grandkids, I tell my friends, please don't text me. Because you can't talk to me when I'm dead. Oh my goodness! <laughs> you'll see. You know, you'll see. That's, that's the world we live in. That's the world we live in. <laughs> yeah, it is, and it, it's okay. Uh, but you know, I never send out a form letter after I listen to music. I think part of your question earlier to me was about the inspiration that I try to give young people on how to present their music, how to go about it. It's a lot easier for them now than it was then because you can sit with a video camera. You can show me what you look like. 
mm-hmm. you have an instrument that you play, which is terribly important, a guitar, piano, uh, mm-hmm. and you give me the lyrics to your songs after you've copywritten them and know that you own them, you don't give up your publishing. You keep it as long as you can till somebody wants to pay you for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, there should be a lot more artists with success right now. And I think part of my frustration is it's all gone to whether they're good shows, The X Factor or American Idol um, or, uh, you know, America's Got Talent. Um, I'd much rather see it firsthand. But how can you see it if you get to where you can't pay, you know, $200, $300 for a ticket? It's one of the reasons I adore what Bruce Springsteen has done. His top ticket's $100, and uh, you can get him. Yes, he's performing in front of 60,000, 70,000 people a night. Um, but you can still see it, smell it, and feel it live, because yeah. that's our business. What, what do you What do you look for? I mean, you, you touched on, on on some of the ways now because of the technology. But what do you right. actually look for out of an for an artist? You're looking for an artist. What are you looking for? What are some the of the singer? Things? I'm looking for original material. I don't want to hear any cover songs. That's hard. I want to, to hear. To I want to hear original things. material. It's harder for me to evaluate it, but that's my job to do the evaluation. Um, and uh, a lot of times, uh, people do cover songs, and it's good for their live show if they have to do cover songs. But you know, when I hear people singing the standards that somebody else has already had a hit with, uh, I hear the original in my head. I don't hear them singing it. Mm-hmm. What if they're not? They haven't mastered the right the art of writing, though. What would you? Well, suggest? then it's got to search out songs. Uh, but in my world right now, I have my own entertainment company. It's a development company. We develop the artists. I have everything from a 15-year-old girl in your neck of the woods. Her name is Zoe Black. Uh, we found her at St. Dominic's School right there in uh, in Huntington. And uh, she's 15, and uh, we are working with her as a singer-songwriter. I have a 21-year-old, a 23-year-old, and a 50-year-old that I found on my birthday out in California, a guy that when he hits, people are going to say, where did you find this guy? Uh, he he came out of a rock, I tell people. But uh, he'd been trying for a long time, and he was in Newport Beach and making a serious living doing nightclubs, but... You know, there's nothing like hearing an artist hearing their own music on the radio. To me, uh, you have the ability here with the Internet. I believe in it tremendously. Uh, I use it all the time. Uh, During this blackout, the only thing I had, uh, I would go into strange places, strange hotels, plug in, say, they'd say, are you staying here? Yeah, I'm in room. I'd make up a room number. Nobody questioned me, and I was charging my iPad. (laughs) That's not like me. (laughs) I'm on the side of the post office charging my phone like I'm a homeless person. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't like hearing that, but uh, there's a wonderful hotel over there in uh, Melville, Homewood oh, yeah. Suites, which yes. greeted. Yes. Every- yeah, well, that's yeah, where we by stayed. The public out, uh, by the airport, yes, I was there this weekend. We, we stayed there for five days, uh, and they fed people breakfast, and they fed them dinner, yeah. and I used to see some guy that I knew, and I'd go, wait a minute, man. You live in Plainview. You're not staying here, are you? He says, no, I'm coming here for food and I'm charging my phone. Oh, my God. I did the same thing Sunday. <laughs> Crazy but that's world. called, you know what? That's a good deed, see? And <laughs> that's a good deed. And, and if I if I could have had my battery-operated turntable, 
At one time, many years ago, uh, Columbia, we had, uh, I forgot the name of it, but it was, a, it, was, it was a 45, not a gun, gentlemen. It was a 45 that you could play. Uh, battery operated a little bit. Yeah, well, when I give motivational speeches every once in a while at colleges, I, I say, oh, let me pull out my 45s, and they, they start Everybody ducking, stuff. you know. Yeah. They, they think it's a gun. Wow. <laughs> but I think that, that to answer your question, the, the young people that uh, are making music, all forms of music, as I said, I don't categorize the music, the more original they can be. Now, if they don't write, okay, let them take a song and rework it, redo the arrangement 100%, come up with a new approach to it, something different, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. then I'll listen to it. But don't give me the same kind of feel that the original hit may have had. What's what's missing from today's music versus the music that you made platinum? Wow, that's a good question. I think I think what's missing, uh, you may, I think you will understand it. What's missing in the music business right now is fun. Fun. They put you on disco, but disco was fun. They, if they yeah. never categorized it and just said it was music to dance to. It'd still be here. But when they categorize it as disco, you know, you had to go to a disco. Well, you had to be 18 to go to a disco, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but now, uh, I think that's what's, what's missing is letting artists feel confident that if they break their rear end and write a hit song, that it's going to get on the radio. you got to remember something. Radio, to me, is still one of the most important elements there is. Uh, Sirius, XM, commercial radio, FM radio. Uh, when you get in the car, there's not a record player, is there? There's not a TV, is there? There's still a radio. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. But But there's been so many changes in radio. Yeah, yeah I tell there's you, too it, many it, opinions. There's too many opinions. There's people that never... They're not musicians. They they just want to look at the charts and say, okay, I'll play the charts. Right. There used to be a tremendous ego involved with radio people and DJs that would love to discover artists. Um, when we had a group called the Zombies, who had a number one record called Time of the Season, it came from England, and it was a radio station at KLMS in Lincoln, Nebraska. And the program oh. director called me on the phone, and he said, hey, Ron, you got a record on a group by the Zombies from England. It went to number one here. How come nobody else is playing it? And I said, it did? Because we never paid a lot of attention to Lincoln, Nebraska. Well, sure enough, we reserviced it. And WABC in New York, WLS in Chicago. I mean, one of the funniest things about radio that I can tell you, you're familiar with an artist, Janis Joplin? Yes. 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 Okay, well, Janis is one of my artists, and... We were in Detroit, and uh, we were getting turned down to one of her records. She was new to Columbia Records when it was Big Brother and the Holding Company. So I went over to uh, an R&B station, uh, WCHB in Detroit, in Inkster, Michigan. And uh, Dr. Smith owned the station, and he had a terrific program director, Bill Smith, who was, he and I hit it off, and I, he said, what do you got, man? And I just happened to have... Janice's record, and he said, let me hear it. And he says, man, I love this. He put it on the radio, 
and it was an immediate big hit. So I had to call Clive Davis and say, hey, listen, we're going to have a problem, a good problem. The record's going to go number one, but she's white, and it's being played on an R&B station. Mm. So he said, well, what are you going to do, Ron? I said, well, don't give me a picture of the album cover. Just, you know. (laughs) (laughs) You're right, because people categorize. When they see it, they're like, nah. Exactly. And that girl had as much soul. In fact, I wanted, unfortunately, she passed. I was going to get Aretha and Janice together to do a duet. Wow. Exactly. And that's funny. That was what we were going to call the record. Wow. Wow. Yeah. See, that's a lot of that creativity is not at the helm of... I mean, there's certain great record executives. Jimmy Iovine is one of them. I raised a young man named Barry Weiss. He's the head of Island Jive. He discovered a written... Uh, yep, um, long time at Jive. Yeah, well, he's, he discovered Britney and NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, and uh, now he's running Motown and he's running... Uh, Island, and he's running uh, Def Jam Republic here in New York. He's a phenomenal record man, and he gets it. He gets the young artists, uh, but you know he's also his partner signed Eminem and and Madonna and and uh, Lady Gaga. If you would have told me back then that somebody could have a hit record with Oh Yeah Ga 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 Oh Yeah 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 Yeah. I would have thrown you out of my office. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like you said, you just you you never know. No, you never know. No, you never know. That's 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 the whole thing. It's the only business. This is one of my great quotes. I think it's the only business where Friday you're broke and Monday you're rich. Wow. Friday, you put all your savings into everything. You get it ready to be released. You release it on a Monday or a Tuesday now, and it's either accepted or it's not. Look at this hot group right now, One Direction, coming from England. Okay, all of a sudden, people, although they're still talking about Justin Bieber, but the kids got their new heroes, One Direction. One Direction's coming to do the Jingle Bell Ball, and your tickets are $300 a pop. What, are you kidding me? Yeah, you know that's like the kids that haven't got food on their table running out to buy Michael Jordan's new sneakers at two hundred and fifty dollars. Yeah, so true. So they go to the they go to your internet and they try to download it, or they get a buddy that gives them a disc and they copy the disc. You know, we couldn't copy tapes in those days. Yeah, right. Is there? Can you still make a tremendous amount of money in this business? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I mean, when you manufacture a CD and the CD costs you 2 to $3 to manufacture, you pay a royalty and you wholesale it for $8, you do the math. Yeah. But a lot of these a lot of these kids, though, on it, they're not buying the CDs, though. They're, they're just going to the sites and just downloading it. So That's it. Now they download it. They're supposed to get, what, $0.99 cents a download? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so tough to do. That's tough to do. I. I was uh, just recently uh, in Chicago, and uh, there was a music event that I went in. They asked me to be a judge, and I came out, and I'm getting CDs handed to me left and right. And I said to the people, I said, do you guys copyright this? Do you own this? Yeah. I said, well, I I could go right now and duplicate it, and you'd never know. you got to protect yourself. 
Um, and a lot of these kids go to school to be musicians. They should go and take music courses and almost become entertainment attorneys and protect the young people that are writing and composing. I agree. I think there's so much thievery. If you watch, especially uh, a lot of the uh, R&B artists back in the day, oh sure, they 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 just were robbed. Well, and you know, it wasn't just R&B artists. I mean, uh, I was very fortunate to have a lot of successful country artists, and uh, Epic was very successful in the country field. And uh, Tammy Wynette, God rest her soul, who, you know, had Stand By Your Man and a few other big hits. Uh, Charlie Rich, The Most Beautiful Girl, and all those hits. They were being ripped off left and right. They were being pirated, and people were coming to their concerts and asking them to sign bootleg albums, bootleg pictures, bootleg autographs. Mm. Very frustrating. Now they think, hey, man, I don't have to pay for it. I can get it from you. Give me a copy. Go on my computer and make a copy. Not and, good. Yeah, and part of it, though, I think, though, too, is a lot of artists, not all, a lot of artists these days are just singles. One hit. Yeah, one-offs. One-offs. That's what we used then, to call them, one-offs. Yeah. The most frustrating thing to a record company is having one-hit wonders. I had a couple of them. Um, I had uh, Pina Colada, Rupert Holmes, um, and uh, Brandy, uh, Looking Glass, Um you know, right. Uh, right. the creativity juices stopped. They didn't have a band together. And then you take the artists from the 50s, 60s, 70s, they're still making money. We got a Broadway show called Rock of Ages, Music of the 80s, doing mm. very well. I had nothing to do with the movie. My son-in-law produced the Broadway show, and he's got a couple more that are coming out. They call them jukebox musicals, but what they're playing is music of the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And 80s. Wow. And they're on Broadway, and they're in movies. Uh, we, we had nothing to do with the Rock of Ages movie because I didn't think it was produced or directed properly. Mm -hmm. uh, you can't have Catherine Zeta-Jones singing in a church, hit me with your best shot, and think it's going to be <laughs> successful. <laughs> Ron, who was your mentor? Uh, uh, good question. The, uh, Clive Davis was obviously one of them. I worked with Clive for 17 years, and uh, he taught me a lot. Uh, he scared me a lot when he said to me, um, listen, Ron, uh, I'd like you to address the CBS convention in Los Angeles. I never gave a speech in my life, and there were 1,400 people. And he put me on at 9 o'clock in the morning, and I had to give a speech about the music business and the record company and talk about Columbia Records and the artists and he uh, he did that by strengthening me and when Epic became available you know Epic is owned by CBS Columbia it's a branch of it I had the best job in the world I was the head of promotion of the biggest record company in the world Columbia Records mm -hmm. and he said to me I really need you to help me out at Epic and I said I don't like Epic I don't want to go there and he said, well, you're going to go from the 12th floor to the 13th floor, and I'll appoint you the youngest vice president at CBS. So at 26 years of age, upstairs I went and took over a label that was doing about $6 million. And when I left it in 1980, 1978 to 1980, in those years we were leaving it, um, it did it close to $300 million. Well, what's... 
and and you talk about Epic, and you were the man in charge. Yeah. What's great being that guy, the CEO of a company? <laughs> What's the best thing about being a CEO of a company? Well, knowing that uh, a lot of the people want your job and uh, just waiting for you to make a mistake. And uh, I, was, I was fortunate, as I said to you earlier, to have what I considered to be the most exciting, best staff in the business. And we were a bunch of young kids. But... Having that decision power, there's nothing like it. I mean, when Rick Nielsen walked into my office and he, he sang, I want you to want me, I said, I don't know who you are, but I love that song. Did you write it? And he goes, yeah, man. So we signed Cheap Trick. And when Meatloaf came in, 900 pounds, I'm being facetious, of course, mm-hmm. and sat there and he sang Paradise by the Dashboard Lights, I said, that's not a hit record. That's a movie. That's a theater. That's a movie. And... Uh, we signed Meatloaf, and that album had already been paid for and produced for Warner Brothers by Todd Rundgren, and he was one of their artists. And, you know, we were just, uh, when you look at your beliefs, uh, it all started with me in the very first record I ever promoted in Chicago when they gave me a dub, which was uh, a term used in those days. It's a metal uh, reference disc that could only get about five plays and then it would wear out, and they uh, gave it to me and said, uh, take this over to WLS. I was working in the warehouse because that's where I started, and uh, they had nobody to deliver the record, so I went over there, and the program director was having lunch, and I said, uh, my name is Ron Luxemburg, and I work for Carmisa Distributing. I mean, what do you want? I said, well, I was asked to bring you this dub, and he says, is it a hit? And I said, yeah, I think so. He said, are you a gambler? I said, yeah, why? He said, if I break through my lunch, go upstairs to the second most powerful radio station in the United States. It was a 50,000-watt AM clear channel station that goes into 38 states at night in Chicago. He said, and the phones don't light up. Do you agree never to come back here? I said, yeah. I mean, I'm working in a warehouse for $75 a week. What did I care? I gave him the record. I went downstairs. I got in my 57 Corvette that I won in a bowling tournament. Turned on the radio, and that did it, boys, because that record was California Dreaming by the Mamas and Papas. Wow. Awesome. When I, when I heard that on the radio, I said, holy smokes. I had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. And that started it. And then uh, a couple of weeks later, I met a guy named Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys, and they had a 25-minute uh, version of Good Vibrations and played me that and then because of my love of rhythm and blues ended up going out to WVON in Chicago which stood the call letters called Voice of Negroes and uh, sat there and listened to you know James Brown and Garnet Mims and all the rhythm and blues stuff that I was listening to and loved it and that got in my blood and it's still here I mean, I look forward. I, I think when people say to me, what are you looking for? I said, well, I know the next number one song is being written somewhere. That's I right. want it. That's right. I got to right. find it. That's All right. right. That's right. Sound good. That's it. Well, we, we we got a couple more for you, Ron, before we let sure. you go. And sure. I got to hit you these quick because I'm running out of time. Uh, I'm sorry. You are 
talk radio, so you know we get a chance to talk. But go ahead, fire away. <laughs> <laughs> I love him, Brad. I tell you, man, we're gonna have him as a guest on the show on the regular. Hey, hey. I have the clip for Well, then you got to pay me. I mean, this is a freebie, you know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We'll meet at White Castles, except they closed mine oh, down no. out here. In my <laughs> red man, red man's in the kitchen. Don't worry about the White Castle. I got you. In the <laughs> I love that. Got you in the kitchen. <laughs> um, a couple quick ones we got. Sure. I, I have, um, I guess, uh, circling back here. You you've, you've been quoted, and tell me if it's, if it's not accurate, is that Joe Jackson is the worst human being. I have been, <laughs> that, you got a good that quote. A, is that accurate? Yeah, it's accurate, pal. I'm not a fan. Okay. Nope. Uh-uh. Nope. No, I uh, I have my reasons, and I have my proof of faction and the fiction. But uh, Joe Jackson, um, I do not have any... Great love for. Wow. Catherine, give, whole different story. I love Catherine. Catherine's a wonderful mother. We're going to see her next week. We're going out to California for Thanksgiving. I make it a point to see her every time I'm out there. Um, and uh, we cry and we hug and we laugh and we tell stories. And uh, Joseph doesn't uh, want to come near me. <laughs> nor nor his two other friends, Al Sharpless. Uh, did I say Sharpless? Uh, Al Sharpless. Oh, sharp tongue. <laughs> yeah, I know who it is. Um, yeah, and uh, see, I go all the way back to Chicago with Jesse Jackson. I'm happy his son won again last night. That was that was a nice victory. But yeah, uh, Joe Joe and I did not hit it off, and uh, Michael trusted me. Uh, to guide him as best, uh, the fellow that managed him, Frank DeLeo, God rest his soul, used to work with me. Uh, I hired Frank as a promotion man. My, Frank did a terrific job. When I left Epic, uh, Freddie DeMann, uh, who was really the founder of Madonna with Seymour Stein, worked with Michael, um, and nobody could really get along with Joseph. Uh, and, Tough guy. Uh, Tough cookie to deal with. Yeah. Tough cookie. What? What? How did you get Michael to sign with you? I mean, he could have gone to any any label and and, and signed a deal. No, did, that wasn't true. You see, that's not really accurate. Um, okay. Michael was. They were they were kind of like on hold with Motown. They weren't recording. Um, they were living in the past. They were doing Dance Machine, ABC, and all those records, but they didn't have any new recordings, and. Um, Michael was 19, was getting a little bit older, and um, I went into the hotel, sat with him, and said, listen, what do you want? I am a fan. And he looked at me, and he said, someday he'd like to do his own music. And I said, no problem. And we got on a train, and we went to Philadelphia, and I went to two buddies of mine, Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff, who were hot as a firecracker, creative guys geniuses and i said uh, i'm putting my job on the line because truth be known i was told not to sign the jacksons by my uh, superiors at, at cbs and i said why why are you saying that they said because they're a cartoon act if you remember they had a saturday morning cartoon show cartoon yep sure i do and i said well gentlemen 
Anybody that can have a number one song singing about a rat. <laughs> yes. Is more than a cartoon. That's right. And I said, if you don't, if I can't sign them, then I'm going to go elsewhere with them. Because Michael and I hit it off. You know, you meet people, they fall in like with you, and then hopefully they love you. I really love that kid. I have three children of my own, four grandchildren of my own, but I love that kid, Michael. And he knew it. I just, it was, it's magic for me. I mean, I used to drive to Gary, Indiana, boys, and from south side of Chicago to see the Jacksons. Wow. And, you know, I went into the nightclubs where I was the token white boy in the whole club. <laughs> and I went in, went in there with Sam and Dave in Detroit. Uh, I was the token white boy. But they, everybody was cool with me because I love the music. I'm a blues guy, too. I would sit down with Lightning Hopkins and Jimmy Witherspoon and Jack McDuff because it's a love of music. But, you know, Michael and I started to talk about classics and music and, and who his influences were. And uh, the press conference was amazing. Uh, we were, I was threatened. I was told that if I signed Michael that uh, I'd have to take a helicopter to work. And uh, I went next door to my neighbor and said he was with the FBI I played him the tape, and I said, is this real? And for two weeks, unbeknownst to my children, the only one that really knew this was my wife, I was being driven back and forth to the CBS building. Nobody threatened wow. me after that. Mm-hmm. And at the, at the uh, Rainbow Grill in Rockefeller Center that day, where I had the Amsterdam News and the black press, the white press, everybody there, I said to Michael before I announced the signing, I said, what are you going to say when people ask you, why are you joining Epic Records? Why are you leaving Motown? And Michael looked at me, gentlemen, and it's a true story. It's on record. He said, because everything is possible with Ron at Epic Records. That was it. Nobody could say another word. That was the only question asked at the press conference. Mm. Well, Ron, I tell you, we would definitely have you on. We are down to the last minute of the show, but I'm going to ask you one last question, and we're going to just wrap the show. Who is your your artist now? Who's your favorite artist right now? Uh, You can't do that. It's a good question. I have have a few. Uh, I think the man that inducted me into the Long Island Music Hall of Fame, Charlie Rich, is uh, a true friend. Uh, I worked with some of the biggest, uh, names in the business, and they were all nice to me. But I think as far as the relationships between a record individual and a musician, you couldn't find a better one between Charlie Rich and myself. And I had that same thing with uh, some kid named Michael Jackson. Mm. Well, we if wanted. you want to ask me what I listened to in my car as an artist that I love, it was Otis Redding. Uh, unfortunately, I could never say I signed him. I did try, but he was already signed. Mm-hmm. Uh, music is is, to me... Uh, not who's the best artist, who's number one. You know, everybody says the Beatles. Okay, they were the major influence. But um, as I said to you before, the next number one record song is being written somewhere. And if they ring my right. doorbell and deliver it, then that'll be my favorite artist. All right. Well, well thank you very much, Ron. <laughs> and we're going to definitely have you on. We appreciate you coming on the LC and Jack radio show. Well, I wish you guys the best, and uh, drop me a note so I can uh, listen to this, and hopefully you don't do the Richard Nixon edit and you only put in nice things. 
No, no, no. We don't. Nah, we're not teasing you. We don't have those tapes anymore. They're things digital. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I used to. You got to remember who you're talking to. You're talking to a little bit older than you guys. Yeah, but I wish I'm you nothing but the best. Well, Brett, unbelievable guest. I tell you, man. I know. I don't know about you, man, but he shed some light on some stuff that I didn't know about Michael and. Yes, sir. Off the hook. That's it. You know, he really enlightened us. So I'm sure you, our listener, is going to like this interview. It was just crazy. Just crazy. So hit us up. Let us know what your thoughts are. You can hit us up at lc at gmail.com. Of course, Facebook, Twitter. I mean, we kind of on Twitter. <laughs> LinkedIn. All right. That's right. We got presence all over the place. Let us know your thoughts on the show. Yes, sir. And uh, we'll see what the deal is on our future guest. But I tell you, yeah. this, this is good. this is this is where it's at. So, so what's what's what what you got uh, as far as shoutouts, Brad? I know you got a whole long list. Yeah, man, I got some backed up birthdays I want to get out to sell her. You know, want to give a big birthday shout out to some uh, beer and. Near and close friends of mine, Miss Dillis Clemendor. I'm send her a birthday shout out. Audrey Morales, Sean Mustafa, Stiletta Rose, one of my favorite Facebook friends. Mr. Robert Lawrence down in the ATL, high school buddy from way back. Mr. Christopher Swee, one of my high school buddies also. Mr. Eric Newton down in Virginia, old Navy buddy. Erica Hand, Facebook friend. Shamara Afi, Facebook friend. Miss Ivy Garcia and Sharon Williams Jones. Want to give them a big birthday shout out. And last but not least, my homeboy down in Baltimore, Mr. Tyrus Jones, one of my Navy buddies from. Back in the day, want to give them all the big birthday shout out here tonight on the LT and Jack Radio Show, like we always do. We do it that's, big. That's what's happening. <laughs> that's what's happening. That's, that's what's good. So we'd like to uh, say happy holidays to you, and again, congratulations to President Obama for getting the W, baby. Four more years. Four more. Four more. So. Congrats to him. Again, thank you, our listener. Without you, there is no us. So um, thanks again. Continue to support us. We thank you. We thank you. We love you. Good night. Peace. With Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.